Welcome back to the Kilted Kiwi. I'm delighted to welcome David Hunt from the RSPB, which is one of the largest conservation charities in the country. So can you tell us a bit, David, what, what it is RSPB does? Yeah, so the RSPB, um, as you said, we are one of the largest nature conservation charities um, in the UK and indeed across Europe. It's our mission to protect and save the UK wonderful wildlife and work with partners overseas um, in protecting and promoting wildlife. We've got a network of fantastic nature reserves in which we protect um, birds and other incredible wildlife up and down the UK. We also work very closely with people and it's our mission to connect people with nature through engagement, through schools programs, through some of the events that we run on our reserves. So we are, if you like, the organisation that seeks to bring people and nature together at a time when we need to do this more than ever. We need to work together because nature is in crisis. We're in the middle of a biodiversity and a climate crisis. And so organisations such as the RSPB, along with other partner organisations, we have a really important role to play. And indeed, we act in, in policy and advocacy circles. We seek to work with and influence governments across the UK to implement those transformative policies that can help nature for the better. Yeah, so just like reflecting on that, basically, like there is also a sentence that on the RSPB website that sort of stood out to me, which was uh, uh, you sort of tackle what needs to be done to improve the fate of nature. So like talking about like exactly that, like the fact that nature is in a crisis and the climate crisis. So can you just maybe outline a little bit about what specifically and like what kind of policies you guys are implementing to try and fight that loss of biodiversity? Yeah. So biodiversity um, is in trouble. It's in trouble, not just in the UK, it's in trouble across the world. And we're seeing real signs now that that in fact is accelerating with certain species and certain really important habitats. The climate crisis and the biodiversity crisis are interlinked. Governments have made this, made this case across the UK and across the world and so we need to start joining the dots up and that and showing that people need a healthy climate, they also need nature to be in as good as condition as possible because the state of our nature is really important for the state of the economy for our health and well-being for society for for jobs and for the for our very future so we're working with um, other partner organizations to try and map out what a positive future looks like for nature in in scotland and, ac and across the uk and one of the things actually we've been working on recently um, is, is really targeting this post-COVID-19 recovery. So let's see a green recovery. And in Scotland, we have worked with a coalition of organisations such as WWF Scotland, Scottish Wildlife Trust and others to pull together a nature recovery plan for Scotland, which sets out 11 transformative actions that government can implement that really focuses upon valuing nature and investing in nature because nature during the pandemic has been seen to be a real source of comfort and solace for people. 
But we need to start thinking about marrying up the societal issues, economic issues, and then the climate and biodiversity crisis. And by saying that if we bring them together and invest in nature through nature-based solutions, such as peatland restoration or expansion of native woodlands, we can deliver multiple benefits to people, to jobs and to nature. So it's about can we identify strands of work? Can government prioritise peatland restoration, native woodland expansion, the sustainable numbers of deer in our uplands, climate and nature-friendly farming? And so what we're trying to do as an organisation is to produce these actions that we feel government can and should invest in to benefit everyone. And that's that's the real importance of nature and, and, and the biodiversity crisis is that it's more than just nature st- standalone. It's about bringing together everything so that we can come out of this world in which everything is very different this year yeah. and set some real achievable targets that we can we can we can work towards a green recovery and make making sure that we capitalize on the the positive feelings that nature has generated uh, during this process yeah definitely i think nature's definitely been a solace for a lot of people throughout this pandemic and so do you think the government though has what do you think like their reaction sort of is to these policies? Do you think the pandemic has detract, distracted a bit from uh, the climate emergency and just generally the issues of loss of biodiversity and stuff? Like, obviously, there's a lot on the government's plate at the minute. But do you think that means like a bit of focus on these issues is being lost in any way? Understandably, um, there has been a lot on the plate of the 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 Scottish government and also the the UK government but I think now is the time by by raising this now is the time that we can't afford to drop the ball on this because whilst organizations like RSPB and others have had our we've had our challenges through this period nature the, the nature crisis is still as as bad as it ever has been and we need to make sure that we don't lose time through through all of this and so that's why we are keeping the pressure on by saying let's let's work collaboratively let's work innovatively together so that we can come out of this in a a much better place with with nature at the heart so whilst there are always going to be really pressing matters relating to covid that are going to take up a lot of time for, for the government we feel it's our role to keep raising the issues that need to be considered if we are genuinely going to make progress towards reaching net zero by 2045, but also at the same time reversing the biodiversity crisis. So now is actually a a good time to really sort of reprioritise and focus on those issues that we need to, that we feel we can make, that can make a difference. And that's why coalition of organizations in the conservation sector have worked together and we feel that that is going to be so important going forward that we might be the RSPB and one of the biggest nature conservation charities in the UK but we have real strength with the environmental sector in this in Scotland and elsewhere in the UK and it's by working together that we can really make 
a pitch for just why governments need to invest in nature because it's it's for jobs it's for people it's for health and well-being and it's for the climate absolutely and so can you outline a little bit about you know what specifically you think that the government like some of the steps that you need they need to take so whether this is based on like a specific case study or if you want to just talk about a more wide-ranging things so i was just interested if you can give us a little bit a little bit more elaboration on what you think should be the focus yeah so the nature recovery plan and i would i would in, encourage listeners to to go and have a look at that sets out 11 key actions for nature recovery in scotland and within those actions we've identified that there are going to be a number of a number of strands that we feel can deliver for for jobs for the economy um and these would be particularly beneficial towards a green recovery due to job creation potential delivery of wider benefits um and, and the areas that have the areas of kind of nature that I'm talking about focus on restoring and protecting Scotland's peatlands, for example. <laughs> Scotland has this incredible resource in terms of our peatlands, which will which capture and store carbon, keeping it locked up, which is going to be so important for meeting the government's targets of net zero by 2045. So we need to make sure <laughs> that our peatlands are in best possible condition. We've also got the restoration and expansion of Scotland's native woodlands. Scotland has got this incredible resource of, 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 of woodlands of which we need to see more. But we've got you think about some of the parts of this country on the west on the west coast. We've got the famous Celtic rainforest, essentially. Um, that is being impacted upon by climate change, by large numbers of, of, of herbivores, so deer, through pollution. So we need to restore and expand those. We do need to sort of tackle key issues in the uplands around deer management and how they are managed. We need to connect more places together. We need to we need to marry places up. So we're talking about ecological connectivity and sort of right. functionality across landscapes, collaboration. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. So is there just speaking of this, like, obviously, like both uh, woodlands and peatlands. And so we're talking a lot about what we can do to improve how we manage our lands, basically. But is there not uh, in Scotland specifically, I feel like there's quite a lot of issues with land ownership. Is that not mm -hmm. something that's so is how is the charity sort of tackling that, whether a lot of land is also privately owned and how is, is this basically is this more of a changing the perspective of Scottish land, landowners as well? Absolutely. Um, when you start looking at everything that I've spoken about is they are assets to Scotland. They are assets that are could bring that can bring benefits to nature, but can bring benefits to the economy through the creation of new jobs, through the savings uh from a from a climate change perspective through natural capital and so it's about we're going to need to collaborate more with people and we're going to need to be innovative about how we do that and certainly in my role in the rspb um i operate almost away from our reserve network so i i 
I work with landowners on, on landscape scales, and I'm, I'm kind of the RSPB's representative in our area in the wider landscape. And so it's about conversations with landowners who might have important species or important habitats. And it's about forming these close relationships that can then spiral across landscapes. And all of a sudden, you've got a joined up network of landowners and land managers talking to each other. And that is what is going to be so important, not just coming uh, coming out of the sort of the COVID world, but it, but going forward regardless because of the, the issues that we face. We need to get more people joined up. We need to get more people talking. We need to, one of the real strengths of the RSPB, and you look at some of our active projects that we're involved with, such as the Cairngorms Connect, project in the Cairngorms National Park, the Clyde Valley Wader project. We have a history of, of bringing people together on these landscape scales. And that's where you're kind of looking at ecological connectivity. We're, we're providing these landscapes that species can move around, that there can be multiple benefits to nature in, in a larger area. And so Absolutely. We need to we need to bring more people on board on this journey. And that's from community engagement to the public, but also with big landowners and land managers, because I think it's that appreciation of the incredible resource that Scotland has. But it needs all of us to work together. Yeah. And so just like reflecting a little bit on that, can you just tell me? has the pandemic impacted this at all? So obviously uh, the pandemic has impacted a lot of things in the way we do things. So how has it specifically, how have the measures and coronavirus restrictions impacted your work, particularly practical and monitoring work? Has this been affected? I think back, um, got a little story. Um, so I think back to March of this year and I was out in... In, a, in an upland site in the hills in Perthshire, on the Perthshire-Stirling border in mid-March, and I happened to see golden eagle, hen harrier, multiple black grouse, curlew, a, a great site, essentially kind of one of those days where you think, yeah, it's good to be out. I came home to the instruction that it was going to be homeworking for the foreseeable future. We, we, we were aware that th things were happening and that it was highly likely that uh, we were going to be impacted upon some uh, at some point. But then all of a sudden, things changed. And for, for an organisation like RS, for the RSPB, there's lots of people that we are, we are used to be out and about, whether it's on our reserve network, whether it's speaking with people in, on projects in, in areas like, in like Glasgow and some of our big projects like the Giving Nature a Home project, visiting schools. And so obviously, like many people and many organisations, we suddenly had a new way of working and a complete shift in how we approach things. From a practical perspective, we had the logistical challenges of essentially closing down our reserve network which had many challenges, very also a lot of frustrations for our reserve staff who would, a lot of our land management work, so our habitat improvement, our habitat restoration, takes place outside of the bird breeding season. 
um, so that we don't have to spend too much time out on the ground disturbing the birds when they're breeding. So all of a sudden, we had this period where we weren't going to be able to conduct monitoring. And our reserves work on a, an annual cycle with their management plan. So we were really just gearing up for one of the most exciting times of the year, the birds coming back. Um, and so that preparation for the spring months had to be paused. Um, we had re reduced resources. Um, like many organisations, we had to take some fairly difficult decisions and the RSPB did access the job retention scheme. So we had up to nearly half of our workforce um, on furlough. So we had to adapt, like, like others did, to a new way of working with fewer people and then to really focus in still on what the what the priorities were, where, where were the sort of the challenges that needed tackled. And for me in my work, I found that a lot of the, a lot of my work away from the reserves carried on. I was still speaking to landowners and other stakeholders about woodland creation. I was still talking to them about breeding birds that they were seeing and making plans for next year. So we, we did have, we did have to refocus. We did have to pause, um, and certainly when you've got such an ex extensive reserve network that we, as we do, that involves visitor management, it involves catering, it involves events, it involves monitoring and sort of practical species work. We had a lot of strands of work that we needed, that we needed to stop. There were certain things across our reserves that we, that fell into sort of an essential category that we did have to carry on. So, we have a, a large number of reserves out on the, in the islands, so on the west coast and in the north, that, uh, that operate and um, some of them operate as working farms. So we still had, it came at a time of year when there was carving and lambing was about to start. So we still had animal welfare responsibilities. We had compliance issues that we needed to work with. We needed to make sure our estate was in, was in, in good order. So people were doing sort of periodic checks of our reserves we also had challenges that in, an, in a normal year would have been hard. So in May, um, our reserve on the Tay reed beds on the River Tay in, in Perth and Kinross, we had a massive fire. And in, and in a normal year, without COVID, that would have been a huge logistical challenge for the team. The reserve team there had to organise um, a response with emergency services um, involving hiring a helicopter to, to carry water to put the fire out, all during lockdown. So yeah. many challenges. And all the while, we've still got these issues that we've spoken about before, about how nature still needs us. But for a time, we certainly did have to take a step back from it all. As we came out of, started to come out of lockdown, Obviously, a new set of challenges um, came about. And so we had to start reopening our reserves, but in a COVID-compliant manner. And it was difficult because we had to balance the expectations um, of visitors wanting to access the countryside with a reduced resource. And so we had to make sure that we were doing everything safely. And that, and that meant that for a time... Certain things like our cafes on some reserves that have them uh, were shut. We had to keep our hides shut um, and other sort of basic facilities because we didn't yet have the resources back 
um, to open things up. And was there, was there a sort of a domino effect that you had to deal with sort of everything that you couldn't do during like the main part of lockdown? And then obviously, like, I don't know, like how much you can catch up and how much you can do after the fact, like after the breeding season, et cetera. So like, how, how did that really play a role in your work? So how did you sort of try and like catch up for everything that was missed out and or have you at all? Certainly on some things we, we were able to. There were some, if you think about species monitoring, there are some species that um, do tend to nest earlier in the season. So, for example, one reserve within the area that I work in is Loch Leven in Perth and Kinross. And that's a fantastic site for breeding wading birds, in particular lapwing. And lapwing are uh, quite an early breeder. So they'll breed sort of from April onwards. And so for species like that, we, we just really had to accept that we were going to miss information for that season. Um, we'll obviously be able to pick that up again next year, but that's where sort of, sort of it was frustrating for some people because that's one of the highlights of the year. And for, on some of these reserves, our land management is completely guided by those species. And so, yeah, we, we will have a blank year for some of those species for others we were able to get back onto the reserves towards the tail end of, of the summer and so we have got some some data for species so it's, it's certainly been a case of yes not all is lost uh, we have managed to kind of salvage lots of really important information from the season um, one of the interesting things that I know was picked up across the UK on our reserves is that through the absence of people visiting, we had evidence of species nesting a lot closer to footpaths um, where they, they normally wouldn't. And so one of the challenges that we did have to face is just is letting people know that when they do return to reserves, just be aware that the, where certain species are may well have shifted because they've got used to all of a sudden a season with no humans around. So one of the kind of quirkier things that we kind of had to think about is, yes, are there, is there any evidence of species that in a normal year would nest way over there, but now are kind of are popping up closer to um, closer to pass? It's, it's a nice problem to have, but just kind yeah, of... Yeah, it opens up a it. new research. Like, it's a new interesting thing for you guys to sort of look into, like what really it has been the impact of human beings, basically, now that they were taken out of the equation for a few months absolutely absolutely I, I received a call during during lockdown of of a pair of, a pair of osprey that were nesting um were nesting in a, in a tree in a golf course just in the middle of the golf course um because it was all of a sudden it was a, it was a quiet spot and i think i think it's really interesting isn't it to think that 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 how species adapted in a really short period of time to that change um and I think that's the, the kind of comforting thing is that the birds were still there. That's very much the mindset I took is that it was, yes, it had its challenges this year and it was frustrating not to be out. But the birds came back. The swallows still arrived. The, the geese flew off in March. The kind of the, the ecological calendar carried on as normal. And I think one of the highlights for people was that they we were able to just slow it down and really see it. I can remember 
in March when we were we went into into lockdown. Where I am near the River Forth, we had a big movement of pink-footed geese that were heading back to Iceland, having spent the winter here, and we'd see them going over the garden. And then a week or so later, we had the first swallows coming over. And I think that I think people just spent more time appreciating what was around them because there were no planes in the sky for a time. The, the roads were quiet. And I think it's that that sense of the, the importance of nature on a local level that we really also need to, to capitalise on. And don't get me wrong, there are, I'm, I was in a very fortunate position that we had a, a small garden that we could, I could be in and I could play with my children in. For many people, the opposite and a, and a big challenge for people is they, they didn't have access to local green space. And so one thing coming out of this I think is that alongside our the sort of the, what I've spoken about with the nature recovery plan is also this idea of this the importance of access to local green spaces and just how important on a, for our health and well-being nature is and so it's it's kind of a two-fold approach we want nature to be in good condition to improve our physical and mental well-being but then nature benefits from that because people have made more connections and are more likely to be inspired by nature and want to help us on our journey with with protecting nature. So the challenges of this period have been great and there are, and and many people have suffered this year, but we do have to look for these kind of, these opportunities and the fact that nature has played such a powerful role in this. and, and, and capitalising on people's awareness of, what, of, what, of what's around them. And I think it's absolutely great that more people want to come into the countryside now. And one of the challenges, obviously, we have and other organisations have faced is that the, the, the visitor management pressures. And I think the, in, it's, it's only natural that some of the more negative stories are reported upon uh, through some of the pressures that rural places have, have have suffered from from increased numbers of visitors, but I think going forward we are likely to see more people spending holidays in the UK for a little while. So we've potentially got new audiences wanting to come in to the countryside, and yes, there may well need to be some education, but also we've got this incredible. Um, opportunity now to really connect with more people about the importance of what of what's around them so for every challenge almost I think there is an opportunity um yeah yeah I like I like the positivity of that and I, I definitely agree that you know so many more people realize just you know what nature can do and what what it can really represent for your mental health and well-being so i think like people because of that like they have like a closer connection to nature so i think that is an important thing and do you think just like connecting into that that people have now become more interested in the work for instance that rspb does and mm-hmm. other conservation and environmental organizations sort of do so whether this is like support through financial support which probably is well needed by the organizations or just more interest in general is that something that has been noted at all during the past few months 
Yeah, so one of the one I guess one of the areas of work that we we haven't been able to do as much over the over the summer is connecting with people on our reserves. But th- this is again for every challenge there's an opportunity and one of the things that we have seen is that our social media channels have generated a lot of attention. People now um want to see exciting content they want to hear about what we're doing arguably even more one of the first things that um we set up in the in the spring was this this idea of doing a a breakfast bird watch where we were encouraging people to send in pictures and videos of what they were seeing every morning kind of similar to what we run every year in the winter with our big garden bird watch um but really just to get people talking and i think that's something that we that that kind of mode of communications we'll be looking to to continue because people are interested and we we need to sort of demonstrate to them what we're doing showcase our work because then we can bring people along the journey with us and whether they then want to spend some time working with us volunteering with us finding out more about us or visiting a reserve for the first time um i think that's where our role is is really important in that we're not just an organisation that um does sort of practical conservation it's that real sort of engagement and and community empowerment really is what we what we're talking about is that similar to what i was talking about with the collaborating with landowners and land managers we have a role a big role to public and i think the pandemic has really highlighted to people just how connected everything is and how nature has been so important to them I want to give you a very quick example of a project that we are developing at the moment and we've had some success with um, elsewhere in the country so we we've introduced this idea of nature prescriptions a couple of years ago in in the Shetland Islands so this is where um doctors can prescribe nature to to people in terms of their their physical and mental well-being and it's about it's more than just kind of being out in nature it's kind of really experiencing the positives of nature um and bringing more people into these into areas that they might not have gone to but kind of really sort of looking at the importance of positive health and well-being that can arise from nature and so we've actually just rolled out um a pilot project in Edinburgh to do to do something very similar so doctors and GPs can now kind of talk about nature with with people and so i think it's a really important area of our job and something that possibly is going to be even more apparent going forward is about make bringing to bring into people's attentions just what nature can do and it is it's so powerful you know you know the sort of the feeling when i don't know it's a nice day or even if it's a nice day and you, you see some you see a swallow fly over you see the change in the colors of the leaves you see swans flying over or you just spend time on a on a windy beach or just or even if you're not anywhere near the coast just walking through a park and listening to the starlings and the house sparrows the covid-19 pandemic has really brought all this to the to people's attention and i think it's our job to continue to run with this to demonstrate to people 
that everything everything they see around them is so powerful. And if we all kind of invest in it, invest our time in it, governments invest money in it, then we can all work together to kind of get to this, get to a place where um, nature is in a much better position. Yeah, definitely. And just because you were sort of touching on to some of the events that the RSPB holds with people and bringing people into nature, whether that's the bird watch, etc. So I was just wondering if there's already been some planning of like how these events may adapt now, now in the future, obviously we know that the restrictions, the coronavirus restrictions are still here and we're quite uncertain when this is something that will change. So I was just wondering if you guys are going to take a different approach towards engaging people and bringing people to, you know, be aware of what it is RSPB does and just exactly that, like connecting them to different areas of nature. Absolutely. And I think what this has, I think what the COVID-19 pandemic has done has take, has, has provided us with an opportunity to really, to almost reset in terms of our our thinking on on the way we on the way we do things, be that talks to the public, to be that events on our reserves, and so I think, given that we are seeing more people wanting to access the countryside and some of these uh, these wilder places, we need to th- we need to think carefully about how we offer the visitor experience now. Bearing in mind that certainly in the short term, we do have to do things slightly differently. So if you come to our, one of our reserves, say at Loch Leven, you'll find that the hides are open, but they have a reduced capacity in terms of how many people can go in. We've started running our events again, because certainly as a, as a parent with two small children myself, it's, it's, you, you find that kind of having been... Um, in a situation this year where we haven't been able to go to as many places, when we can, there's there's this almost this this excitement about oh we can go to this place and we can we can do something we can go to an event. So we need to make sure that what our events are doing is is inspiring people and is bringing people closer to nature whilst offering an experience that is um, is interactive and is innovative and can and is beneficial to to people of all abilities. Um, I'm delivering a talk next week to one of our local groups, and that's online. It's a, it's a, a shift in how, and how we do things. And so the, the audience may well be the same, but the, the manner in which it's delivered will be slightly different. And that's kind of a bit of a, a, bit of a learning experience for us all. So, so yeah, I think, there is, I think there is a lot for us to to consider and that this acknowledgement and appreciation that things things have changed and we can't just go back to the way the world was um, for our business in March and so it's about kind of bearing in mind that we're still in a position where take Scotland for example we've got a number of local restrictions that vary across the vary across the country um, so it's about gradually opening things up in the in a responsible and safe manner, but really thinking about what do people want from coming to an RSPB reserve? What do they want to hear? What do they want to see? And I think that's going to be really important 
going forward. And, and, and I think that extends into a lot of our community engagement work as well, is that given that we do have this a situation where we have a biodiversity and a climate crisis, we want to work with communities to understand what are, what are the things that matter to them? What are the things they value? And then where could we work together and with other organisations to, to kind of explore opportunities in, in communities across Scotland and across the UK that really benefits everyone? Yeah, absolutely. And this sort of ties into a question that we kind of want to ask in every uh, interview that we do, and that's specifically how can a normal or uh, a normal person help the work that you do and get involved themselves in the work that you do. So this is like whether how can our listener basically get involved and even help RSPB carry out the work they want to do. It's a really good question, and it's I think it's I think it's it will depend on um, depend on a number of things. I mean, one of the ways is obviously if you have the uh, if you can do you can come to visit one of our incredible reserves. But that won't be an option for everyone because our reserves are spread out across the country and um, people, access to transport may be, may be an issue. Or So I think it's, I think it's about a number, there are a number of things you can do. You can go online and have a look at the things I've spoken about. You can, go and, you can have a look at nature prescriptions. You can go and read our nature recovery plan that we've produced jointly. But perhaps one of the more powerful things is just to take, is just to take a walk outside go into your garden if you have one go for a walk along the street or to to a park and just take a minute to appreciate kind of what's around you um because i think a big part of our journey and our message is inspiring people to acknowledge what is around them because that connection with nature is so important for nature itself but then if people are invested and people are interested in nature then that is that can only be a positive so you can come to reserve you can read some of the great stuff that that we're doing from on it in interna- internationally but also closer to home but on a kind of proactive uh physical and mental well-being level go for go for a walk see what you see what you can see and i think the thing about nature is be curious be don't don't be put off by you might not know what that bird is you might not know what that tree is over there it's about it's about sort of bringing people along on a journey and showing that nature is important to us all so um so yeah i think take take a walk it's going going Go and explore what, what's around you. I love that. That's uh, I think that's a great way for people to get engaged. You're, it's a very good advice. Um, and so I was just wondering, is there anything else that you would sort of want to talk about or that we didn't really touch upon during this? Um, I think we touched upon we touched on quite a lot there, actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's I think it's it has been um a really unique year it's been a really tough year it's been a tough year for everyone and we we have um we have been through some difficult times arguably some of the most difficult times that 
the organization has been through but we're not alone in that there are there are organizations and people up and down this country who have really suffered this year um and i think we need to we need to reflect on that and we need to think about our work going forward and acknowledge like i said earlier that the world has changed and we are not out of the woods yet and so we are going to see another kind of uncertain and difficult end to the year and into next year possibly but certainly for in my world I'm starting to sort of the mind easily drifts to kind of the summer months of next year when stuff birds and uh, start coming back and the kind of longer days um but I I look out of my window now and I, there was a there's a, a tree um over the way that's absolutely covered with rowan berries and this morning it had dozens of field fair and red wings in it so arrivals from Scandinavia um, and I think it's that the, the kind of the, the nature calendar keeps on moving regardless of what's going on with our kind of lives there's always something to see there's always a period of of flux nothing really stays the same for long in nature and I think that's I think that's a really sort of important message. It's that kind of, no matter what has happened, there's always something new to see. And I think that's our, one of our big mantras as, a, as an organisation is we've got to keep looking for opportunities. We've got to keep demonstrating that we are working together to bring about change because nature does need us now more than ever. And so whilst there are going to be bumps in the road ahead, we need to kind of continue to lay the groundwork for for transformative change in the in the UK. And I think the RSBB and others are in a good place to do that. Yep, absolutely. A very a very good message there at the end, especially as we sort of t- did touch upon the fact that you know the pandemic has definitely influenced people's mental health and how they're just feeling about the prospect of everything. You know, like who knows how long this lockdown will go on. And I feel like a, a little message of hope that things keep go- keep carrying on even without us is kind of a good way to think about it. Think about the world Absolutely. and you know things move on, things move forward. So hopefully towards things better come. things. Absolutely. Things come, things go. Um, we're in a period now where the, the nights are drawing in and kind of the, the skies around me are filled with with geese and swans and fast forward a few months and it will be something else. And yeah, it's um, it's things don't really stay the same for long. 